0: Welcome one and all to episode 72 of the Scum and Villainy podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat, it's Noah DeGeorge. Wow, okay. Are we is this, are we about to fight? Is this a WWE? like? I'm the Bruce Buffer know. of this podcast. Wait a minute. Well, then who's the opponent? Like, if, if I'm the Bruce Buffer... And you're in- Herrera. get him in here <laughs> <laughs> it's time I take that
1: son of a bitch down
0: I think it could take you he's, he's literally a soldier and you are I think a podcaster he is he's, he's like half of a, a is it because he's dead being. is that he's, why
1: <laughs> no it's because he's mostly robotic oh that's true you just unplug him
0: and then he's done <laughs> <laughs> just take out his tube you can't breathe huh? oh no poor guy poor guy um yeah we uh speaking of Sagarera, dude was uh, uh in the news this week there was a special trailer released for andor um, that is part of the uh, d23 coverage that we will be doing here but not going to be covering that specific andor trailer i don't know about you I've said what I need to say about the lead-up to the show. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. I'm super stoked. Um, And Yeah, the the trailer does show some new things, but I don't really think it's uh, super worth covering here. But yes, today we are discussing and breaking down some of the biggest stories from D23. Can't cover everything. There was even some uh, other Lucasfilm projects that were uh, revealed that we'll probably talk about when they come out, including Indiana Jones and Willow. But right now we have a completely uh, full episode ahead of us noah um d23 just wrapped up we got a brand new trailer for the mandalorian season 3 as well as tales of the jedi plus an official release date finally for the bad batch season 2 we also have some new casting details for the acolyte and ahsoka and uh, finally we are going to be ending our episode with a quick little review just some thoughts here and there uh, for obi-wan kenobi a jedi's return Uh, Very full list today, Noah. I am very excited. Yeah, I'm strapped in. I'm fully buckled
1: in. Uh, My tray table is up. I'm ready to go. Your tray table? Oh, like in an airplane? Yeah, yeah, okay. Like a, yeah,
0: ex- exactly. <laughs> my, I'm buckled up. I'm fastened in. My tray table's up. I don't know uh, why I thought of like, you know, in college, you got the little the table swivel thing. Like, a, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know like why a, I the, thought the of half that. desk? Like you were going to be taking notes or something. But... Oh, uh, uh,
1: no. We already took the notes. All
0: right. That's right. Class is in session. We, all are, right? we are a prepared podcast here because, yes, there are so many things to discuss today. So many thoughts that you and I have to contain uh, in a brief episode here hopefully not too long hopefully we can stay under two hours Uh, i feel like every time we say that though it's like two and a half hours oh no (laughs) (laughs) but let's gone and jinxed it let's go ahead and dive on in the mandalorian season three uh, we officially got our very first official i emphasize official look um at the series uh at d23 uh with a teaser trailer for the show Um, However, a lot of the footage that uh, we saw uh, in this officially released trailer was very similar, if not identical, to the trailer um, that was shown at Star Wars Celebration. So whether you were there in the room where it happened uh, or saw a leaked, you know, uh, crowd reaction video uh, on Reddit or what have you, um, we now officially have NHD footage that we can talk about, pause, zoom in, enhance, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, So Noah, um, I had the pleasure of going to Star Wars Celebration, not only that, but I was able to see this trailer at celebration. You and I had talked about this previously. I kind of gave the thoughts of what I remembered because <laughs> it's, you yeah, know, yeah. lots of stuff happening, trying to remember all of the the clips and the moments. But now that you've had officially a time to sit down and look at the trailer, what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, general overview. Um, I do think that this feels like insanely different from seasons one and two, um, in a way that I am very appreciative of. Uh, it does, it's, it doesn't strike me as just, and now they're going on this thing and they have to just go on this other adventure for the sake of some, you know, goal or something. This is, it's, it's very pointed. It's very, uh, it it seems like one of those linear stories that is going to end up getting tangled. Which is what Star Wars does best, right? Mm-hmm. That's you know that's such a good formula. You, you know, don't yeah. don't fix it if it's not broken. Um, but yeah, different in terms as well uh, as you know the the tone that that Din Djarin kind of carries throughout this. Of what are we going to expect from the characters? Not only Din, but also Grogu. Mm-hmm. Um, we were lucky enough to see a little bit of him in Boba Fett. So yep. his his demeanor has you know kind of changed uh he's a little bit more independent hopefully um or at least more of a functioning member of the team the the clan of two Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm i'm more excited for this than i have been uh leading up to it but you know this teaser did exactly what what it was supposed to do it kind of teased me and uh and <laughs> i feel good about it i'm uh, not complaining
0: i just imagining uh like the, the trailer just like making fun of you you know just no, like <laughs> in nice shoes idiot and you're like oh man <laughs> oh man uh no but i i totally get what you're saying in that you know uh season one of the mandalorian i i liked but i was excited to see where it went uh season two i didn't love um but even still i was very excited for the future of the show um because and the trailer really does confirm that I really feel that we've gotten to the point to where it's like The Mandalorian is going to be uh, very much so about not just Din Djarin, but Mandalore and Mandalorians, you know, with an S. Meaning that, you know, in season two, it was mostly about Din Djarin trying to discover himself, but also Grogu's past. Who's going to be taking care of this kid now? Where does he come from? Who has, you know, who wants to kind of carry this baton forward from here so I can get back to doing bounty hunter stuff? Now that he's kind of gotten that out of his system, that has been explored. And not just Mando season two, but also the book of Boba Fett, like you mentioned, it really does seem like a time to where he's like, okay, we're a clan of two that's set in stone. You know, this, this is happening now, but what am I going to do about kind of reclaiming that the Mandalorian uh, you know, title that he has because that's not really applicable to him now. He is no longer a Mandalorian like we saw in season two. He had removed his helmet, and because of that, that title has been stripped away from him, and he no longer kind of belongs to this clan. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this show exploring not only his heritage as a Mandalorian, what it means to be a Mandalorian, what exactly the quote-unquote, you know, when they say this is the way, what does that mean, you know? what is the way are there multiple ways or kind of how can we see dinjarin's perspective of that change and grow as he does and as he grows as a mandalorian as he grows as a bounty hunter as he grows as a father even um this is the season that i am most looking forward to of this show and you're totally right it doesn't just seem like a he's going on another adventure and he fights a a clan of a whatever and there's a, a big monster and there's a big action sequence and he gets whatever he needs and then he's on to the next mission. It really does feel like this spiritual Pilgrimage that he's really going on here, and I emphasize pilgrimage for sure. So I'm just really fascinated to see where Dinjarin goes throughout this this series here, as well as uh, some other Mandalorians that we see. Because I don't know about you, but that was my biggest takeaway. Is like, oh wow, this is like a super. Mandalore Mandalorian heavy season. Like it's not you know, last season was mostly about the force and Jedi and trying to understand Grogu's past, but this really feels like reconciling with Din Djarin's past as well as his future. So I'm really excited for this trailer. Uh, and this, uh, I'm really excited, excited for this new season and this trailer, you know, did nothing but contribute to that.
1: Yeah. That, I think that's one of the things that, that at least helps is that, um, you know, we kind of, this is nothing that we have not expected even before Star Wars Celebration um, and and getting some confirmation of that. The, you know, the whole idea was, okay, great. So this is what we'll see. And this trailer confirms, yeah, yeah this is what you'll see. And it's like, oh my God, I, you could like, you could have, you know, you could have not told me and I would have been like, okay. But now that I'm seeing that this is what we're going to see, uh, like I'm over the moon, yeah. absolutely over the moon. Um, so really, really intrigued at, you know, how this can, how, how this show can be different because I don't think that, you know, the, the issues that I may or may not have with, with the Mandalorian and how it's progressed as a show, or maybe how, you know, in some places it, I feel like it's not progressed. I don't think that that is, um, I don't think that you can put that on any single person, right? I certainly wouldn't blame something like that on John Favreau because he's a great filmmaker mm-hmm. and um and I do think that, you know, knowing what John Favreau is capable of and saying, great, this is the story that we have laid out. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy that we are finally at that part that gets me excited to say, yes, this is something so like new but also familiar of this blending of, you know, old western ideas but also like you said pilgrimage is a great word yeah um to show kind of the the honor uh, you know in in all of those things and the uh you know the titles and things what does that what does that mean for somebody so um interested to see how uh f- a few of the other characters will play a role in that um yeah. obviously we'll we'll get into that but really really just very very excited i'm I, it feels good to be excited for this show again because it's a very like nostalgic feeling.
0: Yeah, and I think something that contributed to that is the conversation leading up to season two was a lot of like... Who's going to pop in this, you know, this season is, it, uh, you know, is a soak, there's rumors of that is, oh, Bo-Katan might be in it. Like Thrawn might be in it. There was like a bunch of rumors and casting rumors and all this kind of stuff to where I think that this trailer and mostly just kind of the attitude from a lot of fans is they're like, no, I'm excited to see the Mandalorian. I'm excited to see Bo-Katan, who is already a very prominent in this trailer and excited to explore all of this. You know, might we see Sabine? Maybe probably. You know, like are are these other characters maybe going to show up, but at least from the attitude of the fans that doesn't seem to be the focus. Like the focus seems to be the titular character returning with these old friends and really having an opportunity to see them grow as a character. And you know, like I mentioned, uh this this show really seems to be diving into this sort of, you know, a journey that Din is going on after he removed his helmet, he now has to go to the living waters within the mines of Mandalore. Um, We seem to see some of that, you know, in this trailer, we see him and Grogu in a lot of wet locations, you know, a lot of dripping water. (laughs) Not sure if those are specifically the living waters, but uh, they're definitely damp. (laughs) Um, uh, We also see Bo-Katan, who is on some sort of throne of sorts, you know, in some sort of throne room, it appears. We're not really sure where the location of this throne room is. Um, Is it in the ruins of Mandalore? because we get a pretty um big shot of that i remember that plane at celebration that got a big reaction Um, it was mostly like oh you know because we see that wide shot of the ruins of mandalore and it's like terminator style you know Um, i'm curious if, if bo katan is setting up shop here do you think that you know she might be on mandalore and if so you know why do you think that may be the case I mean, this is kind of the thing that we are running into with
1: this being such a, like, pervasive show, is we gotta sit everybody down and say, listen, this is what you're in for, okay, here's what you might have missed. I think it makes sense that that Bo-Katan has a physical connection to Mandalore, and and at least being placed there Mm -hmm. for the story's sake, so that someone who knows a lot more about things than Din... Can explain, and, you know, by doing so, also explain to the audience. Yeah. Because that's something that I always think is funny about this show, is that Din Djarin is, you know, the slickest hand uh, in the wild, wild west, but also he's dumb as a rock, and yeah.
0: is like, are you... Jedi, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> it seems like Denjarin has never seen Star Wars before. So, which is exactly. you know, it's yeah. kind of built into the show that if you're not a Star Wars fan, you do you don't know who Ahsoka is. It's it's fine because neither does the Mandalorian. He is just completely like he he needs Wikipedia to to help him through. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so that that to me, uh, you know, kind of screams like, hey, Bo Katan, here's your role in his in his journey yeah. is somebody that needs to kind of hold his hand through this because uh you know especially when you get into the more thematic elements of his journey of like hey man there's a lot that you don't know yeah and you know you're you're about to learn if you're you know if you're thinking of continuing this journey so i think that that makes sense that she would be on mandalore yeah um and you know also you've got kind of that that struggle we we don't see any of it in the trailer but the tension between them and who is, you know, going to be sitting on the actual throne of Mandalore or I guess the metaphorical throne of Mandalore uh, because we don't really get an update of what's going on with the dark saber. And that's, you Mm -hmm. know, a lot of people have been pointing to that and saying that's going to be a really interesting point of conflict. If it looks like, you know, maybe he's coming to her for help or advice or whatever it might be. So interesting stuff.
0: Yeah. I think that, he will eventually go to Bo-Katan and ask for her help in this. Um, I think it was clear at the end of season two, when he earns the dark saber, he doesn't really care. He's just kind of like, Oh, I don't want this. Like you have it, and they're like, "Well, that's not really how it works," you know. So I think that he's going to go to Bo-Katan, and I think that she's going to try to capitalize on that in a way. Um, and I do think that there will be some conflict. Not to say that she'll be the villain of this series, but I definitely, I definitely think that she's being kind of teed up to be an adversary of sorts. That she has something that Dinjarin either has, doesn't want, or just doesn't really understand, or all three, you know. Um, and I think in his trying to regain this idea of what does it mean to walk the path of the way, you know, well, when he says this is the way, what exactly does that mean? And I think to explore that idea, you have to get the perspective from from different Mandalorians. Um, of course, Bo-Katan being one. You also have Paz Vizsla. You also have the armor who has been kind of, you know, it was so funny when they were eventually revealed to be the sort of cult leader. People were like, oh man, I'm not really <laughs> my my bumper sticker <laughs> that says this is the way. I don't know if that's as cool as it used to be because it's kind of this cult mantra and she seems to be the the ringleader of all of it so I'm really excited to see how all of that is explored. You know, if Sabine Wren does pop up in this series, I think she'll only contribute to that as someone who has wielded the dark saber. Is also has her own complicated history with Mandalore and Mandalorians. Um, so I think that that was something that was probably my biggest takeaway from this. Is it really does have an emphasis on these Mandalorians and how they're going to contribute to, you know, Din uh, sort of walking this path. And I think Bo is definitely going to be a key uh, contributor to that. We see a lot of shots in this trailer of her also in these damp locations. Um, I think she might join him on this pilgrimage. Um, I think there's a good chance that, Uh, you know, Grogu being in that, I think that they will be separated, meaning like Bo and Grogu will be on, you know, one side of things and then it's going to be Din kind of by himself. And I, we see that because, you know, they, uh, Grogu and, and, uh, Bo-Katan seem to be in some sort of danger. She quickly incapacitates whatever sort of monster or threat it is. Then she's kind of like, you didn't think that your father was the only Mandalorian. So I think that, you know, there is going to be some sort of separation there. Um, so I'm excited to explore some of that we also see din travel back to navarro uh, which i don't know about you just seems to get steadily nicer uh, each season yeah. it's oh, like yeah. <laughs> it seems like a really lovely place to live so you know shout out to grief carga uh who, it's it's a, literally
1: like a different place like yeah. there's plants and trees growing where everything used to be just mud like mm-hmm. and you know kind of on that Speaking of the tone, like that helps a lot to, yeah. to show progression is like, mm-hmm. we're not in, you know, we're not in Grayville anymore or Beigetown. you mm-hmm. know, we're, right. we're progressing. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's also really key to, you know, him as a, him being Din Djarin as a character and that he went from kind of this, you know, rough and tumble. You know, uh, shoot first, ask questions later, sort of bounty hunter, and has now grown to someone who seems to be, you know, concerned about his future and and who he wants to be a part of that and who he wants to be as a person and how he wants to be remembered. Also, learning to work well with others, all of that kind of stuff, I think, really contributes to that. Um, also, want to shout off, uh, shout out, grief carga you know, tremendous outfits in this. Like the guy's drip is just impeccable. Um, better and better every season. Looking excellent. Um, I do worry that, you know, even with his new costumes, his Fig, action figure is still going to be a peg warmer but you know he looks terrific <laughs> while doing it i swear to god every time i go to target i see a grief carga and or a lando calrissian action figure and i'm like absolutely and i'm like oh, should i just buy it you know like i feel bad i feel bad out of pity yeah i feel bad for him buy? you know I, where's, where's he gonna go the Are you, shelf. You gonna buy him and un, you know unbox him and then i tell you where no, uh, i'll tell you where he's going i just bought a brand new little bookshelf at ikea it was like 25 bucks pretty you know Pretty, it's like shoulder length to me. Uh, and I now have a designated Star Wars shelf in my living room, uh, with a bunch of stuff on it. I just put some new uh, action figures on there today, so that's where he's gonna go, Noah. That's exactly where he'll go. <laughs>
1: well, let me tell you a little story, okay? Uh, in 20 years, uh, when <laughs> in 20 years, when you, you know, when you have your collection, your little bookshelf, it's all set up. And and your little your little Star Wars kid asks you. He's looking through all your action figures, and he goes, "Who's that, Dad?" You go, "Oh my God, it's um ah, it's oh my God, what is it?" Uh, yes, yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> that, that's oh, that's how I, that I thought you is were genuinely.
0: No, come on, no, we love Grief Carga in there. He's a he's a leader. Uh, he's got great history great rocky history uh no, he's just one of my yes. favorite mando lines he' was like they all hate you mando <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> one of the best and lando Calrissian uh, is no exception he's an all-timer for sure oh
1: that's that's true I'm just teeing this i'm I'm just making the statement right now to tee it up for season three to drop some awesome grief carga moments yes uh, and I will I'll be happy to be proven wrong it, it, uh, and when you go to theory. target
0: it doesn't even, it's not even gonna be a question you're like oh they got grief carga hell yeah he's coming with me <laughs> yeah <laughs> and hopefully uh other fans will agree hopefully yeah we get some good uh, grief carga action in this series or in this season i should say uh but yeah in this uh in this moment at navarro we seem to you know see some uh kawakian monkey lizards who have now been liver- uh, liberated from their cages and apparently are thriving uh see a lot of them in trees uh, but we also see some Nictos, some trandoshans as well as some others who seem to be maybe stirring up some trouble um and we also see some other their Mandalorians uh, in this great shot of them dropping down, you know, like Mission Impossible Edge of Tomorrow style out of this uh, ship, um, you know, jetpacking their way onto Navarro, where there seems to be some sort of battle ensuing. Uh, The statue of IG-11 has been torn down. I don't know if we really have too much to go on here. Do you think that this is a you know, a Mandalorian-driven conflict and Grief Karga and and Navarro is somewhere caught in the middle between them and maybe these other pirates. Are they there to help? Are they the problem? I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions to be asked here about the Mandalorian and their involvements um, with this sort of conflict that we're seeing on Navarro. Well, you know, part of that
1: is we do get an awesome shot of Paz Mm Vizsla in that conflict, I'm assuming is the same conflict. Yeah. Um, and if there's one thing I know about his character, it's that he is kind of a protectorate. You know, he's, he, he is a, uh, you know, a fighter for the people. I have to imagine, um, that, you know, him coming back to Navarro and kind of quashing this, this problem, um, would probably say that, that some gang is rolling into town and they're, you know, causing a lot of trouble and Mandalorians are there to protect them. And that, that to me just seems like something that we would see in this show Mm -hmm. that like an episode like that or a sequence like that would not surprise me at all um you know and obviously we we hope that grief karga is kind of at least on the side of the people that we're all rooting for and we kind of want to know what all these mandalorians are are doing um in different parts of the galaxy so that i mean my money's on that i know that's the simple answer but yeah my money's on that
0: yeah, I'm wondering if it's that or there's maybe a because we know that this uh, cult, you know, for uh, a lack of better words, is really uh, at at odds with other Mandalorians. Potentially, we know that Bo-Katan really kind of chastises Din Djarin and he's and she's like, well, I don't know your your little team there. They kind of abandoned Mandalore, so uh, they don't really seem to be on great odds with Bo-Katan. So maybe there'll be a, a, a gre- uh, brief um, dust up there. Uh, A little bit of a a battle there. Who is to say? Uh, We also see a quick shot of Dr. Pershing, who uh, played a prominent role in season one. So uh, will they be with the New Republic? I'd be excited to explore some of that and what that means as far as the cloning of all of that is concerned also his drip i mean come looking, on guys, looking terrific looking, yeah looking phenomenal shout out to the costumes uh the costume designers and the costuming of uh this new season as well as prior seasons too looks absolutely terrific and being able to see all of that costuming um on display at star wars celebration was uh really excellent uh we also see din jar and travel back to you guessed it tatooine uh where he does visit pelimoto uh, as well as r5 and maybe that little bd droid hopefully they're there too um uh, who knows what he's doing back on Tatooine, maybe just getting a tune-up for his uh, N1 Starfighter. Uh, we also get a lot of uh, really cute shots of him and Grogu together. Um, but as far as big plot stuff, yeah, we're just really left to wonder uh, about what is going to uh, transpire in this new season. I'm very excited to see uh, what Dinjarin as well as Grogu get up to uh, in this. And I think this trailer does leave, like you said, it teases us. It gives us a little bit, uh, it gives us enough to ask questions uh, to make our minds wonder. But does doesn't fully satiate us. So I'm excited to learn more.
1: Yeah. And and another part of that too is kind of the, uh, I, I guess the anticipation after Book of Boba Fett is, you know, a lot of questions, especially regarding kind of, okay, great. What are they on to next? And right. you know, what's, what's the vibe going to be like if he's got an n1 speeder and you know this kind of yeah. says what's duren's
0: vibe like what is <laughs> his
1: wizard dude that's what it's like <laughs> um th- that's kind of like you know the biggest thing going into this for a lot of people is okay where did we see him last and uh you know that change it it changes the outlook of what he may be up to so that's a big part of it as well um yeah. can't say i'm loving the idea of more palimoto Uh, but you know what? I'll take R five. So if it's a package deal, it's all right with me.
0: (laughs) It's like one of those action figures that you buy and you're like, there's a a specific one that comes to mind, like the Funko pops. It was like bigs, dark lighter and gold leader. And then I think wedge. And I was kind of like, well, I want wedge and bigs. Do I really want gold leader? You know, (laughs) I was like, then they they all got to go on the shelf. And you know, maybe Pelimoto is in that you've got B, you've got BDR five and then Pelimoto. It's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, it. come it, on, come on. <laughs> I was imagining
1: like you, you buy one of those action figures that has like the arm of a bigger action
0: figure and I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I kind of just want
1: Spider-Man, but I, I'm not really asking for, you know, Craven the Hunter yeah, and his, his, just his right arm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know exactly. what you're talking
0: about. That's, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. So not too many more details here to pick apart, uh, but we sure will be returning to this when we get more footage and details on this show. Uh, I can't wait. I'm excited to uh, see more of this, Uh, but we might have to wait a little bit. Uh, The release date just says 2023. Um, It was previously kind of rumored, slightly confirmed, uh, definitely up in the air for uh, early 2023, maybe February. Uh, But Lucasfilm and maybe even Disney seem to be a little bit more cagey uh, with giving like a firm, solid release date um, on their shows, which honestly I'm totally fine with. They just said release date 2023 next year. Who knows? You know, so that's the seed that. Yeah, that's fine enough. Yeah, that is
1: that's good enough.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then after that, it might be a season, you know, they will be like summer 2023. And then maybe after that, we can get a month. So uh, we will whittle its way down. My money is on maybe next summer, uh, maybe even early fall. So uh, season three of Mandalorian coming hot and ready. Very excited to learn more about that. Uh, another trailer, Noah, that we got at D23 was for Tales of the Jedi Uh, with the first official trailer for this series, um, which does come out on October 26th uh, with three episodes about Ahsoka and three about Dooku. Um, All of the episodes will be released then, uh, six episodes again. Um, There was a trailer. This trailer pretty much was revealed um, at Star Wars Celebration along with one of the episodes, which uh, I was able to see both of. Um, So now, Noah, again, with this trailer, now that it is officially released in HD and you're able to look feel pause zoom in all that kind of stuff uh what was your uh excitement level for this uh what was your reaction to the trailer um it it
1: feels like something that is distinctly different uh than clone wars and i know a lot of people will look at something like this and be like okay well like i don't i don't understand what are we doing here um just because it looks the same but realistically i was very much in the dark about you know, me and a lot of other people were very much in the dark about what this was supposed to be. I think with this little trailer, um, it feels mostly like sad. It feels mostly like, you know, it's like, Oh, a story of, of two different fates. Yeah. And everybody's like pointing out all these things. They're like, Check it out. Ahsoka's at Padme's funeral. <laughs> Check it out. Anakin taught her the move that she used in, during Order 66. Yeah. Check it out. She's going to get pieced by an Inquisitor. <laughs> uh, and then it's like, oh, look, the thing you've always wanted, a young Count Dooku. Check it out. He's murdering civilians. Yeah. Check it out. Like, He's also
0: going to kill Yaddle. <laughs> yeah, like this is
1: this is like serious stuff. And yeah. I'm here for it. I'm totally here for it. Yeah. But it's this is not just like a oh it's a wacky fun spinoff of the clone wars yeah. like no this is we're in for it heavy and knowing that this has a hard release date which is awesome um you know being so soon as yes. it is uh is something that gives me a lot of solace in terms of a lot of the uh a lot of the backing up that we've done uh in in, in the recent weeks and months of yeah. you know Ah, is this going to come out? Is this not going to come out? When's it going to come out? Do they remember? Did, did somebody forget to t- say like when bad batch is coming out? Yeah. Um. You know, but this being here, it's like, okay, now it makes sense. I see the roadmap. I'm happy with it. This is, you know, this is good. This is good. And it's not like, Oh, great. They, you know, finally, thank God they yeah. like, actually, you know, no, 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 this is like, Oh my God, we're blessed to have this news. And we're blessed to have a trailer. Yeah. Even more than that. Um, I think, just to wrap up my general thoughts, uh, a lot of people are kind of like, "Uh, could we maybe get away from Ahsoka? We've seen so much of Ahsoka. Why not get another story? Um, In due time, young Padawans, I think you'll see why these things are important. Mm -hmm. I. There's there's no coincidence that all of the episodes are going to be released at once uh, and that they're going to kind of tell these two separate stories. Uh, these are going to be perfectly mirrored in a way that I cannot wait for. I'm just so happy with kind of the being able to have the insight of of a bigger picture to kind of pull back the curtain and be like, I think I see what you're doing here. I think yeah. I, I think I see what you're doing here, Dave. And yeah, I'm here for it. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Although I definitely understand um, a lot of fans are kind of like more Ahsoka stuff, really? You know, we're getting, we not only had all of Clone Wars and lots of Rebels as well as her own solo series and she pops up and two of other shows that aren't hers. I totally understand that kind of that urge. However... I think if we are going to explore Count Dooku, which I am so thrilled that we are doing, um, uh, Dooku Jedi Lost is really, really fascinating, and you know Christopher Lee gives such an enticing performance as 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 uh, Count Dooku, and so much so that they're on screen so little, and you're just kind of like, I I gotta see more of this of this character. So I'm thrilled that we're exploring that side of things. However, I totally agree with what you're saying that like if you're going to have someone who is this kind of proverbial yin to the yang or this parallel uh uh, of sorts i think ahsoka is actually a really inspired choice to have somebody who both like dooku was kind of disenfranchised with the jedi was unhappy in like the direction that they were going and decided to leave the order you know, in one way or the other, uh, obviously they went in pretty different directions, but that's precisely my point. I think that this series is really going to mirror them in a really satisfying way to show Dooku be kind of disillusioned by the dark side, um, and to sort of, uh, uh be entranced by the, by the Sith and see them go down this darker path to where Ahsoka might, yes, be, be straying further from the Jedi, but be kind of reunited with the light in an interesting way. And we'll definitely talk about what we can kind of hope or even expect to see um, in this series. So, yeah, I'm right there with you in that Dooku is the one that I am more enticed by in this show. However, I will also encourage fans who are maybe a little tired of of Ahsoka at this point, or maybe a little of like, I love this character so much, but I don't want too much of them, you know, room to explore other characters. I definitely understand that. However, I think, you know, if, if you've got a new Ahsoka series coming out, What a great way to introduce fans who haven't really spent too much time with her in animation. You can see her interact with Anakin and really see some key moments, uh, you know, in her life. Uh, And and I I think if we do want to get a season two of this that also just monetarily makes some sense you know if you want to get some eyeballs on this you're gonna put this very popular you know fan favorite character and not for nothing uh tearing Ashley Eckstein a voice uh voice Ahsoka again just one more time even uh is really exciting for to me so yeah this trailer really does show you know uh kind of what we can expect from both of these characters Dooku and Ahsoka um one of the episodes at least with Dooku shows him and his uh, young apprentice Qui-Gon Jinn um will be handling some some sort of dispute on some, uh, you know, undisclosed planet. Uh, Duku appears to be kind of escalating the situation with violence. Um, we also see a similar idea explored with uh, Mace Windu, presumably years later. Um, is that an interesting idea to you to see kind of Duku come from this place of? Maybe initially taking things a little bit too far and then maybe just going to that point to where maybe he's past that point of return to a conflict that we will definitely be talking about, which brings a tear to my eye. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I think that there's something interesting about, I guess, the the implications that a story like this has. And, I, I, you know, it's hard to not think of. I know that some Star Wars fans are going to, you know, are going to try to avoid thinking of it this way. But, um, you know, we've seen a little bit of, you know, Andor and the way that the citizens are portrayed against their, you know, against their quote unquote law enforcement. I don't know what, you know, what it would specifically be called. Um, but the sort of reaction to, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is an interesting place where the separatists aren't really a thing. Uh, back in in Dooku's Jedi times. Mm-hmm. So what are we looking at here? We're looking at some kind of local law enforcement that, you know, is some kind of dispute. And who are the Jedi in all of this? Are they the peacekeepers or are they an intergalactic, intergalactic police, right? And it's going to be interesting to see what Dooku's perspective on that is. Yeah. Is it going to be, hey, I'm the one with the lightsaber, shut your mouth or get chopped up mm-hmm. you know or is it going to be how can we resolve this diplomatically is that you know is that the route that some jedi would take or is it going to be more you know sit down shut up i'm going to whack you over the head yeah um so it, you know and that's obviously simplifying things a lot because a lot of that thematically is going to do with the choices that you make whether it's you know more leaning towards the light or towards the dark but on a surface level from what we see this is kind of the area where you you see somebody that is presented with a choice that likely makes a bad judgment call. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if that's something that as a Star Wars fan, if you're saying, well, how can I apply this to the real world? Um, it's going to be interesting to see somebody follow that path to completion to say, hey, man, that right there, that's a tragedy. Okay and don't forget it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, you're talking about kind of the real world application. I'm definitely in regards to like local law enforcement and, uh, you know, maybe moments that could arouse in violence or, or could you know maybe go a more diplomatic way I'm very curious to see how that's going to be portrayed because that's obviously like a super hot button issue uh, in the country right now uh, but Star Wars doesn't get political don't you forget it um, mm-hmm. uh, so none I, of that in here uh, I'm really fascinated to see some of that explored um, also to see kind of a, a young Qui-Gon Jinn, uh to get some of his uh, ideas about all of this maybe get some more insight onto what he believes the role of Jedi to be and how that uh, is in conflict with, with Dooku. also i think there's a lot of potential for that great scene in attack of the clones with uh with obi-wan and dooku where they talk where they're talking about qui-gon maybe that scene will be even more kind of rich now because we maybe get to see that very perspective that they're kind of hypothesizing about where obi-wan is like uh qui-gon jinn would not be in allegiance with you and dooku's like don't be so sure you know so I'm, i'm definitely curious to see um all of that explored the conflict that I was referring to, uh, which seems to be kind of maybe this threshold that Dooku is, has reached or is close to reaching is that we see a young Yaddle, an old Yaddle. We see Yaddle, (laughs) uh, young or old. uh, I don't, who knows? It's hard to keep track with the species. Um, but she seems to have stumbled across the secret hangar that Palpatine has that we see towards the end of attack of the clones, um, where we see, uh, uh, Dooku and Palpatine meet up at Um, Yaddle somehow uh, has, has located this, this secret hangar. Um, So a lot of reactions to this, Noah one great more Yaddle stuff. Excellent. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, We really get to have an opportunity to explore her character, her fighting style. Is it similar to Yoda's is it different, Uh, we may maybe even get to hear her talk. Is she going to have this kind of backward speak? Is she going to speak in basic? Does she have her own language. Very excited to see all of that. However, she's probably going to die, which sucks, man. Like that sucks. Yaddle, like the great return of Yaddle and she's going to freaking bite the dust. Like that's unfortunate. (laughs) Of course she's going to bite the dust.
1: I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know. Because if I'm thinking that, if I'm thinking that this is like, well, this has to take place after the Phantom Menace, right? Right. And that at least, okay. Qui-Gon
0: will be dead at this time.
1: Right. And I'm not going to say that it contradicts certain things, um, but, you know, just says to me that the Jedi Council was like, well, we've got a, we've got another green one. Let's just forget about the other one. <laughs> if she dies, if she dies and, you know, it's not addressed at all in the prequels, they don't go back and make a another special edition of episode two where they're like, man, remember Yaddle? Yeah, and then, and then that's it. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. Are they bold? Are they bold enough to, to rewrite the history?
0: Well, she's not in the Jedi Council on Attack of the Clones. So, well, that's you know. the thing is she's just gone, I guess. Well, I would assume, yeah, the, the the Council seems to be rotating of sorts. And they, you know, they talk about that in uh, Attack of the Clones in the opening crawl, that like the, the forces of the Jedi are spread thin. So it, they don't seem to be terribly robust at the time. Not to say that everybody's, you know, fucking dead. Uh, but I would assume that Yattle, you know, uh, Yoda seems to have made his points pretty clear about really mourning the death of, of loved ones or, or <laughs> colleagues or, you know, miss them, do not, mourn them, do not. So maybe yattle was just one of that. Uh, does Dooku fake her death to where he, you know, uh, does he put a suicide note in her does, little... D- does uh, Yattle do Yaddle and Dooku
1: run away together? Is ooh, that how this ends? I, I don't that. Who knows? Yeah, uh,
0: maybe she dies in some sort of mining accident. I don't know. Uh, oh, the, no. the, the dark side <laughs> really do uh, have uh, a, a knack of of kind of brushing over that sort of stuff, but also you know, the Jedi don't really seem that interested in investigating some of that. All well, of she's going to die, say, though. She's going to die. Yeah, I was going to say, it was like all of that to say is Yaddle, uh, you know, sorry. Uh, so poor one out for poor Yaddle there. That is uh, really uh, super unfortunate. I do want to talk, though, because we very, very briefly see kind of a glimpse, really, that's it, all it is, um, of their eventual uh, duel here, Duco being the duelist. Uh, again, another contributing reason it's not going to go super well for yaddle uh but uh we do see in this moment dooku's lightsaber is still at this point blue so that leads me to believe that this might be that final turning point to where he's like really on the tipping point of, of, of joining the sith or at minimum leaving the jedi and maybe he's at this kind of point of like I can't go back now I'm giving some real kind of Kylo Ren vibes here. And I think we might, hopefully I think it'd be really cool to see him bleed his crystal in this series. I think that that could be really fascinating.
1: I, I think that that's a strong possibility uh, again, because w- we need to know, um, you know, how these two stories are going to mirror each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously from what we see with Ahsoka side uh, being post episode three, Um, and okay, great. When does, you know, when is she going to, to change her lightsabers? Has she changed her lightsabers? What is that going to be like? Or how does she get her lightsabers, uh, after they are left behind? Um, so it's, it's going to be very interesting, but I do think that Dooku kind of making this, this turning point, that's totally a possibility because I see this as, you know, his conflict leading up to him being, him questioning things but not making that full turn right and that's that's how it always is is the the conflict there um you know and maybe he's he's dipping into some of these practices or dipping into uh you know darker thoughts or actions without having fully made that commitment and still being you know a part of the jedi order and still functioning as a jedi but being on you know pretty thin ice in the eyes of the council uh, and finally making that that one, you know, move Uh, and by move, I mean, murdering Yaddle. (laughs) Uh, So we will I think that this is something that we'll definitely see.
0: Yeah. And <clears throat> you had mentioned the the possibility of exploring that side of Ahsoka, who is, of course, the other character uh, that will really be uh, thoroughly explored in this series. Uh, initially, we see Ahsoka learning uh, or uh, kind of learning her abilities. I, I have seen this first episode, so I don't really want to spoil too much, but we see. Oh, can,
1: can you can you spoil one thing for me? Does Ashley Eckstein voice baby Ahsoka?
0: No, oh, <laughs> ah, Ahsoka God doesn't say anything. It. There's like some, no. there's some, I mean, she might've, they might've phoned her in for the, for the cooing, but, uh, yeah. uh, she does not talk in this first episode. We literally see the, the birth, uh, I mean, yeah. we're not like we see her crowning or anything, but like <laughs> we see her village, uh, you know, delivering the baby, naming the baby. We see Ahsoka's mother, father, grandmother, all of that kind of stuff. But this first episode really does explore her first learning kind of of these abilities as well as her village learning of these abilities, which, you know, leads to Plo Koon coming to uh, take her to the Jedi, all that kind of stuff. So I have seen the first episode. It's funny because you were talking about how this series seems to be so sad. That first episode is not sad. Like, it's a very cute, big Avatar vibes kind of episode. And it was funny at Celebration, Filoni was like, man, I, I... it was interesting showing you guys this one because the rest of the series is sometimes hard to watch. Like he legitimately warned us. He was like, don't go into this thing thinking it's going to be as fun as this one was. Uh, it's, it's a downer. So, uh, I I think your assumptions of this series were definitely confirmed because it seems to be going in some dark places because as you mentioned, we see Ahsoka, you know, in some sort of training from Anakin to where she is learning the very moves that she will use to save her. Uh, in in Order 66, which... Dave, you son of a bitch. And if it wasn't that much, you know, we see also Ahsoka apparently attending Padme's funeral. And yeah, Dave Filoni is just, he's on Skywalker Ranch, just laughing, just cackling, you know. I don't know. Is is he okay? Like, does somebody need to check on him or. He must have it out for the fans or something because it is like heart -heart wrenching to see uh, Ahsoka at Padme's funeral. And I saw so many fans and their imagination was just worrying as like. Is she going to be looking for Anakin when she doesn't see him? Is she just going to assume that he's dead? Like, oh, my God, it's just so sad. Like, the possibility of that is just, uh, my God, poor one out, you know, for me. <laughs> <laughs> for me and <Anne> Yaddle. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, just just you and just Yaddle. It's, no one
0: else is hurting as bad as you. Yeah, it's so sad. Uh, so, yeah, i uh definitely going to be uh, an emotional part of this series, uh, exploring some of that. But you had mentioned uh, seeing Ahsoka's lightsabers and that being impossible if we do see Dooku bleeding his, seeing Ahsoka maybe uh, purify hers could be really interesting uh, because in this trailer we see uh, an Inquisitor at this Some village, you know, I think it's very likely that there will be some discrepancies between the Ahsoka novel and between what we see here, because we do see the purification of her lightsaber um, in that novel, as well as uh, an inquisitor, maybe not this inquisitor, but an inquisitor on the planet Rada. Um, So. Who knows? Uh, there, it wouldn't be the first time that Star Wars and uh, Star Wars animation in particular has sort of played fast and loose with some of the canon. Um, that's not a huge issue, uh, issue for me. I know it will be with some, um, but I think the the parallel opportunities there um, are really fascinating. Kind of uh, putting a nice button on the you know how these two stories and the path of these two Jedi uh, really do differ, but also how they're similar as well.
1: Yeah, that's, again, looking forward to that that thematic poetry. Um, and it it's one of those things that, you know, it, it sucks to think that, uh, you know, some weekend or week in October, uh, you and I are going to have to review six episodes, also an episode of Andor. Um, that hurts. That's tough. Um, Is that how the math so, works out
0: on that? Oh, my gosh.
1: I, I mean, it's, it's all releasing at once, and then... Uh, and then I, I mean, I'm guessing, right.
0: I got to look we, into this, man. Are we going to have like a quadruple filled episode here? Uh, oh because
1: gosh. that like, you know, we were talking about the three episode premiere of, of Andor being like, oh gosh, you know, this is a lot. Um, yeah. but yeah, I don't, I don't fully remember off the top of my head what the, uh, release calendar is. I can't remember what day it is that there will be an episode of Andor. Um, however, Uh, all that to say, typically I am not excited for shows that come out all at once. I mean, visions is kind of an exception, um, because it's, you know, it's kind of take it at your own pace. It's, it's, you know, some of it's light, some of it you can delve a little bit deeper into. You don't have to, you know, you're not obligated to catch everything. Um, but with this, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad it's coming out all at once. I think that if this was a week to week thing, it probably wouldn't be as effective. For sure. Um, but being able to choose how you enjoy this, um, I'm really glad. I think that that's that's a plus in its favor.
0: Yeah, that first episode that we watched was maybe 20 minutes, you know, definitely under 30, longer than 15, so somewhere in that range, but you're right, you know, uh, Andor starts on September 21st, ends on November 23rd, so uh, we're definitely going to be getting an episode then. Uh, Might have to do a double episode. Who knows? Um, I definitely want to take my time with talking about Tales of the Jedi because I don't want to overlook it just because Andor is out, so we might have to publish two episodes that week or something like that. That but, um, definitely want to give this show its due because I'm uh really excited for it. So, thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> cool it down with the content, okay? We can't handle it over just, here. It's scum and villainy just uh, it reminds me of that episode of SpongeBob where uh, SpongeBob's uh, shoelaces are untied and he's like throwing the <laughs> Krabby Patties at Squidward and he's just like getting completely stuffed. He's That's us all with going Star Wars his content. Gullet. Yeah, yep, my so uh, definitely uh, spoiled here uh, with so much stuff coming out and something else, Noah, that will be coming out. Season two of The Bad Batch. Can you believe it? We have an official release date for this series. Finally, um, it will be releasing on January 4th with a two episode premiere. Uh, the new season will run for 16 episodes released weekly, starting with the third one on January 11th. That's good news. No, I don't know about you, but I have been uh, very patiently awaiting the the release of the uh, the release date, you know, just confirmation on when this series will be coming out. So it's finally good to hear that January, Bad Batch, baby. Yeah. And this is the thing is obviously, you know, people are like, what's going on over
1: there? I think that it's good enough that at the big expo, when we get a lot of news that, you know, they said, okay here's what you can look forward to. That's it. We're done talking about it. That's fine with me, you know? And the reason that I feel grateful for that is because the D23 Expo was really focusing on, um, it was really focusing on Disney stuff, you know, the live action uh, Disney stuff and what what Disney Plus is doing with Pixar and other Disney properties. That was something that Disney was focusing on and they weren't really as focused on lucasfilm obviously the lucasfilm panel is a different story because they're gonna devote time to that um but marvel even had it to do you know but mostly disney and pixar and marvel had their time in the sun at d23 mm-hmm. so i was just glad that the lucasfilm expo had kind of that okay here's our roadmap and that was more than enough for me yeah i am i'm glad for that again I'm not saying that I don't trust you guys, but let's <laughs> let's just stick to it, okay? Let's stick to it because you're you've got my hopes up, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna plant my foot in the ground and say, okay, that's what I'm expecting. And if come January 4th, I am not sitting on the couch watching Omega and Wrecker and Hunter <laughs> and Tekken and Echo, uh,
0: I don't know what I will do. I don't know. Uh yeah, I'm very uh, excited to finally have this. So uh, whether or not they'll be sticking to this, definitely remains to be seen. If they moved it again, it seems almost intentional at that point. It seems like they're playing <laughs> a, big, a big joke on us. But yeah, you were talking about that roadmap. Um, I'll probably get to, to work on some sort of uh, calendar guide or something like that so definitely be following us on Twitter at scumvillainpod. Um, but yeah, first up we've got Andor, obviously in September later this month, uh, Tales of the Jedi like we said in October 26th uh, Bad Batch Season 2 in January uh, then maybe February maybe summer, something like that uh, uh, the Mandalorian um, maybe before that vision season two, which was definitely rumored to be in spring. Who knows if they'll stick with that. Um, also in spring, we're getting Jedi survivor. Um, also, also in spring uh, we're getting young Jedi adventures, which there was some news about, but um, we don't really have too much time to talk about it this week. So maybe we'll fit some time in uh, next week. Um, also maybe summer, late fall uh, Ahsoka next year. And then even more next year, we've got skeleton crews. So, maybe now until the sun consumes planet earth, we're going to be getting so much <laughs> star Wars content. Uh, so I'm excited to uh, learn some more dates, but um, yeah, right now it's definitely still seems to be uh, pretty, pretty uh, 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 movable now. Definitely nothing set in stone uh, except for the bad batch season two, January 11th uh, or January 4th. Excuse me. Uh, very excited to see some of that, but episodes 16, no, we got 16 episodes of the bad batch. That is plenty. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, that is, that is, enough for
1: me that is that's so enough for me
0: yeah um and they seem to be you know with this two episode premiere uh, giving it a little bit of time to breathe with Andor in there. Um, and then on January or excuse me, uh, on January 11th, they're going to be getting in that third episode. So interesting strategy for sure. Uh, with, with January 4th and then maybe, uh, having this little gap in there for January 11th. So, um, I just hope people tune into this and give this show the attention that I think it deserves because, uh, you and I over in these parts really like this show. Um, yeah, now, we now uh, some, uh, more news that we got here. We got some casting, uh, For The Acolyte, we've got two new actors uh, who have joined the cast of this show. Uh, Deadline has revealed that Jodie Turner-Smith has become the second actor officially cast in The Acolyte. Uh, She was, of course, in Queen and Slim, as well as Without Remorse, Uh, in addition to her joining the cast. Also from Deadline, the publication is now reporting that the upcoming Star Wars series will be joined by Lee Jung-jae from Squid Game um, as the male lead. Uh, for The Acolyte. Um, Filming for this series will begin in London later this fall with no confirmed release date. Uh, Noah, we got some pretty good talent joining this series. Um, Are you familiar with uh, either of these two actors' works? Uh, I'm I'm familiar with Lee Jung-jae's work. Um, Obviously, everybody
1: in the world has seen Squid Game, um, but I've also seen uh, a couple things here and there that he's also been in, so that's very fun. Um, I have not seen Queen and Slim. Um, it's definitely one that I missed. Um, and I'd have to see what else Jody Turner Smith is in. Um I know that a couple people that I know have seen the uh Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Um, it's just one of those Amazon Prime things that I will never get around to. And that is, uh, that is no fault of Michael B. Jordan or Jody Turner Smith. Um, I just forget that Amazon Prime exists. So, uh, that's my bad. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Um, but no, this is awesome. Awesome news. Um, first of all, casting, that's like one of my favorite things to talk about here because it's like, how often do you get that? Right. So that's fun. But also, you know, this is not this is not second level talent here. Yeah. Uh, you know, these are, these are people that have been in, you know, films that have, have been nominated for awards and they are actors who've been nominated for awards. Well, so, not
0: just nominated, uh, uh, the, uh, a uh, second actor that we had mentioned here, uh, Lee Jung Jae, uh, who of course was in Squid Game, literally won an Emmy last night. So congratulations yeah, to yeah, them. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> you stole my build up, but that's okay. Oh, I didn't so. know. I didn't know if you knew. Sorry,
1: sorry. Oh, yeah. oh, I knew. I knew. I'm a big Emmys guy. He's got that, his uh, that, finger no, on the pulse. Lie. He's
0: got his finger on the pulse. <laughs> he knows. He knows. <laughs>
1: uh, I only know about Lizzo and everything that's going on on
0: TikTok with so, oh, um, Jason Bateman like stepping on her dress. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, uh, she seemed to be uh, chill with it. Yeah, she seems to be a lot of fun, and she was was also at like halloween horror nights the other night uh and so uh yeah she uh uh, shout out lizzo one time (laughs) get her in star wars (laughs) (laughs) Wars. that'd be excellent but no uh jodie turner smith i'm uh more familiar with her work um i saw queen and slim as well as without remorse um don't love either of the films, honestly, but I can't say anything bad about uh, her. She was especially terrific in Queen and Slim. That was kind of my first introduction to her. And I believe that was her uh, acting debut. So I believe that was the world's introduction to her. Um, She was a standout in that movie. um, And I was impressed with her physicality in Without Remorse. Uh, That's, uh, of course, a big action film. And she um, is one of the leads in that. So she no doubt got her hands dirty and uh, probably getting involved in some of those action scenes. So I want wonder if she's going to kind of bring a similar energy to this uh she's no doubt obviously completely stunning um i'm wondering uh, just kind of what role she's going to be playing in this is she going to be more of a light side uh, kind of character more dark side here we might be getting into some uh, uh mystical kind of magic maybe even some night sister stuff so i'm very fascinated to see what uh, role she's going to be playing um, also with uh, Lee Jung-jae, uh, Squid Game, obviously, have to- uh, very familiar with that. so I've seen the entire series. He, again, obviously, terrific. The guy won an Emmy last night, so congratulations to him. <laughs> uh, he was, uh, once again, uh, excellent in that series. Has a lot of range in that as well. Um, and that, I, I believe, I would have to look, but I, I believe that's the only thing that I was familiar with him in. Unless I'm forgetting anything. You said that you the had seen thing- uh, something else. Yeah. So what, what was that one? the only thing that I think the only other thing that
1: I've seen him in is, um, assassination, which is like, you know, just your typical action movie. Um, hmm. but he's, he's very good in it. Um, my brother went through a, a whole stint of seeking out all of these, uh, all of these lower level action movies and especially with some certain actors in them. And he was in assassination from 2015, uh, which is pretty all right. It's pretty good actually. Uh, gotcha. I think it's on, I think it's on to if you, uh, do you ever want to check that out.
0: Cool. Yeah, for sure. I will. Uh, was he more of like an action hero in that? Or was he like the kind of clumsy sidekick? Do you remember? No, he's he's more of an action guy. He's in a lot more. Um, he's in a
1: lot more of those kind of your typical Jason Statham sort of <laughs> action movies. Cool. But again, these are South Korean movies. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So
0: yeah yeah awesome yeah I'll definitely have to uh, check out that but um, obviously both of these uh, actors are super super talented so I can't wait for them to see uh, uh, to see what they bring to this series and most of all I think my biggest takeaway so far is you know what a diverse cast that they have here um, yeah uh, giving lots of opportunity in front of and seemingly behind the camera as well uh, to bring new perspectives into Star Wars and, and offer uh, new representation um, again in front of and behind the screen as well so that's super important and i i hope that this continues that trajectory i would love to see a really diverse and and colorful cast
1: yeah that's something that we are kind of blessed with right now in star wars um and we talked about it a little bit recently uh as well kind of how that's shaping up to be you know the the norm as as that's you know however you as a star wars fan as a listener want to take that um you know that's shouldn't be something that is too uh jarring I suppose yeah. um, but you know that's something that I'm glad that we can lean into that um, as well and yeah. see a little bit more of that that was something that I was very proud of with with Obi-Wan Kenobi
0: um, which we'll talk about in a little bit right for sure yeah so uh, that's something that you had mentioned there are not only like yeah, uh, not shying away from it, but they're leaning towards it. That, that makes me happy that they're not kind of letting those fans, the ones that might have been offended by what you say, I'm talking about you, uh, those fans <laughs> uh, kind of dictate the direction that some of the casting of the series is going in, as well as something like Little Mermaid, because uh, all of those people uh, have super calm, rational, uh, not targeted or, or hated thoughts about that movie. Not at all, you know? So, not at all. Not at all. And I don't think that The Acolyte will be any different. I I'm sure everybody's going to be super welcoming of these new actors and this cast and this story. So excited to endure that. But uh, I hope uh, all of these actors uh, in bringing their wonderful talent are just able to shut those haters down. Cause I uh, am super, super excited for the acolyte. Can't wait. I can't
1: wait either. Absolutely. Cannot wait.
0: Uh, some more casting news that we got. You were excited to hear about casting for the acolyte, but we got a e. 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 new uh, live-action adaptation kind of uh, actor joining the foray here. You and I have uh, dedicated an entire episode to this concept, so um, we're not going to be kind of belaboring on that any further. If you guys want to listen to that, uh, you and I gave our entire thoughts of kind of the growing pains of, of bringing a beloved animated character to live-action, but it seems that like, uh, our, our suspicions were confirmed here. Uh, Iman Esfandi, uh, who is an actor who was in King Richard, um, as well as the upcoming film The Inspection, will be playing Ezra Bridger in live action for the upcoming Ahsoka series. Uh, Filming for this series has been ongoing since May 9th. Uh, This, of course, was um, uh, not only uh, reported originally from Cinelinks, uh, but was later confirmed by The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, So it seems like multiple trades are really confirming this seems to be legit. Um, Interesting kind of note here, Noah. uh, Esfandi also starred in Robert Rodriguez's uh, super low-budget indie horror film Red 11 or uh, Hostage 9 one, uh, uh, there seems to be some different titles maybe may be on where the, the film was released. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but maybe this is how the connection was made. Um, I have not seen any of this actor's work, uh, apart from King Richard. And even still, I can't quite remember who he played, um, in the film. Um, his role doesn't immediately come to mind. Uh, so this is a case of like, great let's see what you got. Like I I have no real idea other than seeing literally the trailer for red 11 when he says like a few lines and just being like, okay, well that's what he sounds like. Great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a,
1: a big kind of the, the foray into star Wars um, for, for a lot of people has been, have you done anything? Not really. Yeah, that's all right. You know,
0: which and is fine with me. Yeah. You
1: know, yeah, exactly. People were familiar with, with Daisy Ridley and John Boyega here and there, Yep. but you know when you're wanting to make a splash, and everybody is like, "Oh, you know, Mina Masoud was great as aladdin he he deserves to be Ezra Bridger, yeah right and this is something that we had talked about was we can we can kind of leave the confines of of you know, well, who's the first person I know that looks like this character that that comes to mind um so I'm really glad about that i do I do however feel bad that. They're saying that filming has been happening since since early May. And I think since then, we've had a few here and there's of people being like, Mina Masood
0: for Ezra. And he's like, ha ha, totally, you know. Well, I don't know if you saw that he, he addressed this casting confirmation. Did you see that? No, I didn't, no. He put out a tweet of something kind of like, I'm glad the the rumor mill is kind of being silenced here. Um, apparently he also auditioned for the role. He's like, I sent in a self tape. Um, so uh, he, he seemed to have been as much in the running as probably dozens of other actors who, who, who um, submitted. We obviously don't know how far along in the casting process that he got, um, but he also lent his congratulations to Iman. So he seems to be really excited that um, he is a part of this project. Um, but yeah, I'm right there with you as far as, you know, uh, a lot of casting, I feel, especially with the Marvel side of things, a lot of the fan casting. I mean, people just go like, "Hey, that's a blonde white woman; she'd be great as Sue Storm," you know. Like, it doesn't it yeah. doesn't really go yeah. beyond that. Um, I think a lot of that uh, I can point to, like Reed Richards. People point to some actors, and I'm kind of like, "Have you read <laughs> a Fantastic Four comic <laughs> in your entire life?" Because uh, they don't really remind me of anything like that character. Um, so I'm glad that this actor is able to really make their sort of debut with this. Um, I wasn't too familiar um, with, uh, you know, really many of the other actors in the sequel trilogy apart from, you know, um, Oscar Isaac, I think, was the one that I was most uh, familiar yeah. with. So uh, Natasha Liu Bordizio, who is portraying Sabine, I'm also not terribly familiar with her. Um, so I think it's great that we're getting a lot of fresh faces here, not just like the people that you might first think of. I'm sure Mina Masood would have done uh, would have done a great job in this, and he obviously looks like Ezra, Um, but I don't know if you guys have seen images of this young man. Uh, uh, he, looks, he looks more like Ezra. He looks <laughs> just like Ezra. Uh, he's got very similar kind of uh, facial structure. I don't. I, I tried to look and I wasn't able to see. I don't know what um, his heritage is, so I don't know um, if he has kind of the the same idea of of what Ezra was originally intended uh, to to emulate or to look like. Um, I don't really have that, but all that to say, looks super similar to the the character model of Ezra. Um, I obviously this version of Ezra is going to be a bit older. um, So the voice doesn't maybe have to super, super match. Uh, But as far as passing that look test, like you and I were talking about, dude uh, is all right in my book. So I can't wait to see some uh, more from him. And I think I'll probably check out that uh, Robert Rodriguez movie because I'd like to see a bit of his work. Oh, well, you can. It's also on Tubi for free right now. All right, I got to uh, go. That does it here uh, for this coming of the all right. well, that <laughs> does it. Uh, Thank you guys so much for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I can't wait to see more from him, and I also can't wait to hear more um, about this series. Uh, so, congratulations, Iman. Welcome to the Star Wars family. I can't wait to see what he uh, brings to this role as this uh, yeah. beloved character. Um, Noah, moving on from there Obi Wan Kenobi, A Jedi's Return, has debuted on Disney. Plus, uh, the hour-long documentary uh, episode, like super limited series, uh, if you want to really call it that. <laughs> um, Lucasfilm did debut this on Disney Plus, which uh, gives a detailed look at the behind the scenes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and I don't know about you, but I thought that among the, the, the ones that we've seen for The Mandalorian, as well as The Book of Boba Fett, this one was like the most different. Like this yeah. wasn't quite similar to those and more of like the emotion that was delivered on this. I felt like the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian ones are mostly like, here's how we made this thing. Here was our intentions in mind to where I feel like Obi-Wan was much more, uh, or, the, or a Jedi's return was much more of like a spiritual kind of look at this episode. What was kind of your big reaction to this? Well, yeah. So two things. One, um, like you
1: said, it had premiered for Disney plus day, um, And I only just got around to watching it, um, I I finished it today, um, and I had started it the other day, Mm -hmm. um so my Disney plus day was spent actually watching the premiere of Pinocchio from Robert Zemeckis. And I wish that it wasn't. Um, <laughs> so that's thing. Number one, I, I haven't
0: had the pleasure yet.
1: <laughs> uh, thing number two, um, is that you're absolutely right. The one thing that I remember walking away from, uh, you know, when I, when I wrapped up watching this, um, was, I, I was just like, man, Disney knows how to make a documentary like they just really do. And this coming off the back of, you know, light and magic as well. Just having talked about that is just like, how do you, you know, how can you sit down? I, I was, you know, I always think about this is how can you logistically sit down and tell yourself I'm about to watch a documentary that's going to be this long and I'm going to care about it for the whole thing um, when none of it is, you know, entirely riveting, you're, there's no twists and turns. It's not something that you're watching for, you know, the, Oh, I can't, can't wait for, you know, to find out what's going to happen next. Um, sure. it's not that, but it's, you're able to sit with something and feel like you're there in the room and you're, you know, you're a part of this thing as much as all of these people. When you watch, you know, the, the entire crew, Clapping at the end and like, you know, that's a wrap everyone, you know, this wouldn't have been possible without you. I'm sitting here on my couch in my apartment all the way in freaking Podunk, Illinois, and... I'm like, yeah, they're clapping for me. I'm <laughs> I, I'm, part of the audience that made this, this happen. <laughs> like, no, but that's the thing is that's a real feeling is that like in Star Wars, it's like me and you and everybody that pours literal like blood, sweat and tears into making these things happen is yeah. like, you know, I feel just <laughs> as much a part of it. I feel just as much responsible for being someone that, you know, Aaron McGregor can say, I hear constantly from people like, this was my Star Wars. And I'm like, Right. That, you know, if if I ever bumped into Ewan McGregor, that would be me. Like yeah, right, I right. fit into that category. Obviously, I haven't worked a goddamn day in my <laughs> life to make a, a TV series uh that, you know, was the most popular thing for a little bit. But all that to say, like, it it, it really just brings you into the fold in a way that's like, God, I like. You watch these old audition tapes and you're like, oh my gosh, I have a little bit more knowledge than the average Star Wars fan. Or I have a little bit more knowledge about this thing than the average person. And that feels special. And it's just, I don't know. Again, like knocking it out of the parks with, with these documentaries lately you know, can't say the same about the Star Tours one. I'm still not happy about it, uh, but... It's because you haven't been on Star
0: Tours yet, man.
1: Yeah, uh, that's the thing. I was the I... rebel
0: spy. <laughs> 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 you know, you haven't seen what I've seen. <laughs> yeah,
1: whatever, whatever. Um, Anyways. But now, yeah,
0: I totally, uh, definitely understand where you're coming from as far as like this has this real inherent sense of nostalgia attributed to it because of the history of these... Characters in this role, which is even still different than something like the Book of Boba Fett. Obviously, Tamara Morrison has been a part of this uh, galaxy for uh, quite a while, but it that's Obi-Wan to me, you know, I think of we're we're part of the generation that when you think of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Alec Guinness isn't the first person that comes to mind. Um, uh, obviously, people like James Earl Taylor obviously contribute to the legacy of this character. But uh, what Hayden, as well as Ewan, bring to these roles is completely invaluable to, to us prequel generation kids and prequel fans, you know, so to this really seems like a documentary that is capitalizing on that or reinforcing that this was like a real it wasn't just humans like, oh, I got a gap in my schedule. Yeah, I guess we'll do the star Wars thing. Like, no, he was an executive producer on this. He really seemed like he contributed to a lot of the ideas of what Obi-Wan would be going through spiritually during this time. Um, and to see him reunited with Hayden brought the, the biggest smile to my face it was so, so endearing and so, so sweet to see them, um, reunited. And, uh, you know, see them watching these old clips together and joking about stuff, and you know things that fans have said to them, and all this kind of stuff. So many great moments um, in this, and and also, I really felt such passion from Deborah Chow, um, and such a huge sense of responsibility um, to bring this uh, to the fans, and and more than. They, you always hear that, you know, in these documentaries, whether it's The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, literally any Star Wars thing, they talk about the responsibility to the fans. But I felt that Deborah Chow really dove into what it means on, again, such a spiritual level. I feel like that's kind of the biggest key takeaway that I have from this and kind of the the main thing that this made me feel. It was much more of an emotional kind of documentary um, about this and, and all of that that went in to the making and the crafting of this um, and how much passion Deborah Chow had for this beyond just it was so cool seeing hayden bring on the suit again it was like no what would these characters be going with they're at this time where um they're reflecting on the events of the prequels just like we are as fans uh and and what's going through their minds also what are what's going through our our minds as far as what we want to see from these characters and how we want to see them portrayed um i thought it was just really emotional um really impacting I found myself getting uh, quite misty eyed during some points in this Um, and also spending more time with Vivian Lyra Blair, who is just the cutest dude. Like I got my wish that child. I I got my wish. It's just the she's. Oh my God! Like, I literally can't say enough. Like she was giving like asking questions about Deborah Chow of like okay well if I gave her this kind of look or whatever was like really thinking and de- uh, you know deliberating on the performance. Um, uh just yeah so much about this and also getting to see you know Hayden and and you and dueling again and practicing for all of that kind of stuff. Uh, it was great. Like this was uh, again maybe not as in depth as something like uh the Disney Gallery like The Mandalorian where they talk about a lot of the visual effects and you know, the volume and all that really crunchy stuff. Um, cause me, I mean, I love, la- I love all that kind of stuff, but, um, maybe I'm at the point to where I'm like, I just spent so much time with that kind of stuff, uh, with uh, light and magic that the, the emotion of that was kind of at the forefront of people's minds, uh, on the creation of this series. Uh, maybe that's what I was a little bit more hungry for. And I think that maybe that's a reason I was so satisfied by what we were given here.
1: Yeah, that's and and like you had said kind of joining these characters, you know, where they where they have like left off, but also picking up where the actors have left off. That's sort of the like the tone. Whenever I watch like whenever I watch documentaries, I'm always curious and sometimes you get a little peek behind the scenes, but I'm always curious what they are asked from behind the camera, right? That's like always kind of the question on on my mind is how are, you know, how is this thing that they're saying, how is that framed? Um, you know, to get this response that you can edit into a nice, beautiful looking documentary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously that's kind of a type A way to look at it, but realistically, when you get something like this and you think of it that way, and you have, you know, Ian McGregor talking about, okay, what did Star Wars mean to you when you were growing up? What did it mean when you got the part? And you know, and where are you now as a Star Wars fan? And what is, how does that still affect your life? And, you know, then asking the same questions to Hayden and, you know, getting Deborah Chow's background as well. And even, even Vivian Lyra Blair, you know, of like, what was your introduction to Star Wars and how does this make you feel to be taking on, you know, this role and, mm-hmm. and obviously crushing it. Well, so happy. She,
0: you mentioned that, uh, she had mentioned like This is how she learned how to read was through Star Wars. And we talk about all the time of these different entry points for people. And I, one, I just, from my own personal, like kind of, uh, knowledge, I want to know what book she read, you know, like what was that, (laughs) what was that first, you know, foray? what character was it, you know, what was kind of the mood or the tone established for her? Um, was it like a little, probably a golden book kind of thing, which I have copies of for the prequels. So we talk about that all the time and that these different generations, Vivian being one of those new generations of Star Wars fans fans are going to be introduced through different avenues of star Wars. Like I, I would have to look and see like what age she is, but it was probably like in a Disney sequel era, you know, where of, of these uh, different completely new generation of fans that are coming along and to hear her talk about these different avenues contrasted with Ewan McGregor, who's like, oh, I went to go see Star Wars when I was a kid, and it blew my mind, because nobody knew how big it would be. Like, the thing that you typically hear, you know, um, when you when you uh, hear from this older generation of Star Wars fans, to hear it through her, and the fact that it was a book nonetheless, was like, oh my god, just so, so great. Yeah, that's, obviously, you know, we, we
1: talk about that like, it's like, no, you can, but this is like, no, you can, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So, again, great, great to hear. But, you know, like you had said, the, the emotion that's driven, you know, asking some of these questions and getting these answers Mm -hmm. of, you know, well, what did it feel like, you know, and, you know, hearing, hearing Ewan talk about like kind Mm -hmm. of the, the feeling that was brought up on, on set and having Hayden, you know, talk about all the feeling of seeing, seeing obi-wan for the first time you know seeing ewan for the first time and in in a long time and what did that feel like um this is this you said it exactly this is not your typical disney gallery you know or the under the helmet what went into making this character and how did this happen and this this and that and i really did think that we were going to get some of of uh ewan talking about you know the how did this come about into a series? What was it supposed to be? And he like mentions it, but then he's like, I'm just so happy to be here. I'm just so happy, you know, this, this and that. And then over to Deborah Chow of, you know, what responsibilities do I have as a filmmaker to, mm-hmm. to do this and do it right? And how does the, you know, and what does that feel like to have that responsibility? So again, throwing around that word, a word a lot, but you know, that's because this is the focus here is, Everybody that watched Obi-Wan has a feeling of who Obi-Wan is and what that character means. And, you know, you hear it from the mouth of someone like Aaron McGregor. That's crazy that he's like, Obi-Wan was this, was this like pivotal, iconic character for me. Right. And now I'm playing him and he gets to pass along a similar, but, you know, distinctly different version to you know, an entire generation of fans and, you know, what does that mean to us? I know it's silly to think that I had anything to do with the success of Obi-Wan. Obviously, if I were blipped away from this planet, it would still happen. And (laughs) I, you know, and I would have nothing to do with it, but, you know, like it means something to us and knowing that it, it means something to everyone that was involved is like, yeah you're damn right it
0: does you know yeah and they really do talk about uh you had mentioned the like how this series came to be they kind of like brush past like they don't directly acknowledge it but the fact that like there's a whole host of people who were not kids when these movies came out and were were kids when either the original trilogy came out or were kids when you know they were on vhs and they they grew up on those films ostensibly and then, you know, the prequels came out and they had the reaction that they did. However, people like you and I, people that were born in the years prior or during the, the prequels release, that was our foray into Star Wars. And, and Ewan McGregor mentions that. That was a big talking point of the, uh, the press tour for that. So they don't dive into that too much. They also don't really dive into, like, how this movie came to be, like, really tangibly as far as, like well, you see, it was a movie and then it wasn't a movie and then it was a series and then, you know, like they don't really like jump through all of those kind of hoops, which I think have been publicized enough that I don't, I don't necessarily need that, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I am aware of, of how this series came to be. Um, and I'm glad that it's a series. I, I think it's better suited for, for television rather than, um, a movie controversially. Um, that's just kind of a, a, a me thing. Um, but yeah, I, I this kind of did everything that I wanted it to do. Also just talking about star Wars fans, star Wars celebration, seeing like the warm embrace that they, that they all had also, um, you know, you and, uh, meeting George Lucas for the first time, which is footage that I don't know if I've seen before, you know, um, I definitely haven't. And it's his audition tape. Of... I was like, I don't think Oof. I've seen this before. This was like new to me. Um, he does have a, like a, a super endearing reaction when he first meets George. He's like, Oh, you know, like he, he's like, <laughs> wow. Like there he is, you know, which is kind of like how any of us w- would be when we met, uh, would meet George Lucas. They also, uh, talked to, uh, uh, Liam Neeson, um, about his involvement and, uh, kind of what drew him him to be involved um, in the project, um, which was, which was really great to hear. Um, And I also loved seeing some like alternate takes of things, you know, like there's a couple of lines that we hear from um, Anakin in particular during the attack of the clones. Uh, flashback duel that him and Obi-Wan have, and I don't know, I, I'd be curious to see if your reaction was similar. There's an Anakin line to where he, he it's when they're back-to-back, and, and he says something of, like, uh, regarding the Mercy, I don't remember what the exact line is. I don't know about you. The way that he says this line was, like, super Matt Lantern to me, and uh, maybe I'm totally reading into things, but I was like, ah, there it is! Like, that's him researching the role, you know, and and watching all of the Clone Wars. Like, I wonder if that was like intentional, uh, subliminal. I don't know. Did you have that reaction? Do you have any idea of what I'm talking about? I
1: have, I have the exact idea of what you're talking about. (laughs) And I was like, hold up, hold up. Wait a minute. What was that? Because I'm not losing my mind. (laughs) It was not, and it's not a bad thing that it wasn't, that it wasn't like distinctly Hayden's Anakin, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, But I, I, I think I can see why something like that was cut because I, I like, I heard it and I was like, yeah, I do not remember that line being in the show. Like that's, that's interesting. Let mm-hmm. me, let me go back. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a level of this sound, this sounds so bad. It's a, it's a level of emotion that is not typical of what we've seen from that character, that specific totally. version of the character. Well, yeah, and I'm not for saying, sure. Like Hayden you know, plays
0: it a lot more understated. Uh, some people yes. would say, wouldn't I, you know, uh, it's uh, the guys had a pretty tough go at things for 20 years now. So right. <laughs> um, yeah. all that to say, but like, I totally get that. Like when I say he plays at Matt, like Matt Lanterney, Matt Lantern, I always have thought it brings such more of like a cocky, you know, hot shot kind of energy to things where I think Anakin plays him a much more troubled and a little bit more youthful um, a youthful in a sense of kind of like adolescent frustration and anger to where yes, Matt Lantern yes. plays him as like the, the cocky hot shit, you know, kind of Jedi. So I think, I think that that's definitely what you're referring to for sure. Yeah. And,
1: and that, you know, having seeing that come out a little bit, I don't think it would have been jarring to see it in the show. I think it, you know, I think it just would have complimented things, but you know, I, there's so much there that shows that, that Hayden Christensen is like, okay, I have to get back into the swing of this and even McGregor as well, you know, saying that this is something that they have been departed from for so long to where, you know, that needs to kind of come back and relearn these things. But seeing them together is just, you know, that's all kind of out the window. No need to worry about it. They're just... Right back on the same page, which is so so nice to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was such a pleasure seeing uh, them back, seeing Hayden back, seeing them all reunited, seeing uh, Hayden's hair, like the the Anakin wig, which we don't really get to see in the series. So it was like it was funny because the uh, like most wigs, not like amazing, you know, like you can tell that he's wearing a wig. So I was kind of no, like, I
1: need to, I need to get me one of those. <laughs>
0: I need to get me one of those, dude. That was like the oh man, you you could barely tell. Yeah, for me personally, I was kind of like, okay, the hood was a good idea, you know? <laughs> um, but no, it was great seeing like uh, costume tests of, uh, Anakin and to see also like the, the makeup of, of, um, you know, uh, Vader, uh, in the, in the back to tank and all that kind of stuff. There's also a really great, uh, moment to where, um, Ewan was telling the story of, of them being on, on set at that kind of the village to where, uh, uh Vader and Obi-Wan duel at. And he was like, talks about how there's like, he was like, I looked around and there were so many people on set, like, a, a more than usual. Uh, and he was just kind of like, why is there so many people? And then he looks and is like, oh yeah, there's Darth Vader, you know? So like kind of wanting to see the, the grand return of, of Vader, uh, like that was, that was so great. So yeah, uh, apart from just the great behind the scenes details for me, seeing the emotion of everything again, to, to not, uh, uh, belabor to kind of repeat old uh, points, but that was, that was what was really important to me. And I'm glad that this, uh, documentary episode really emphasized that
1: yeah and there there is a lot to do with kind of like you'd said kind of the seeing the the return of Vader and seeing these these different costumes and things um it's always fun going into the these behind the scenes things and then in these documentaries and seeing okay what was done digitally what was done practically and this this and that um and it's it's really one of my favorite bits is when they are all reacting to the volume changing yeah, um, and, and they're just like, Whoa, this is insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's. I mean, it's funny, but like, you know, and, and, you know, when you see some of these things where it's like, Oh yeah, that was, you know, that's just a blue backdrop and this is that and whatever yeah. Yeah. that doesn't take away from anything. Cause you still, you still get, you know, awesome, awesome shots of, you know, Riva running down the hallway with her lightsaber ignited, yeah, and just looks awesome. Yeah, we didn't even mention you know, that.
0: Like getting more from her was really cool too. I I really yes. liked uh, seeing more from her, and we also get to learn Riva's last name, which I like didn't I did I wasn't aware of. Uh, you know, I didn't even I, I didn't know if it was like Madonna to where you know <laughs> she uh, where she has like a, a a last name. So it was cool to actually kind of learn that. Or her last name is Riva Savander. Uh, did we know that? Am I am I losing it right now? I don't think. We we knew that i don't think we knew that yeah i'm sure wikipedia had something but as far because it's not mentioned in the show she's you know not like look out for me revis and savander <laughs> i'm like she calls it out like a like an old you know gangster <laughs> like, a, like shooting yeah, like, exactly. a, like a john dillinger but yes it was it was so great to to spend more time uh with uh with her and learning about moses ingram and her experience that was great
1: that That's another part of it too, is kind of getting that side of it for Moses, Moses Ingram. And obviously now in, in retrospect, we have kind of the, the full picture, but even still, a lot of this is kind of just... I, I think it's funny that you could go back and listen to our episodes leading up to Obi-Wan and also kind of going through Obi-Wan and being like, okay... What points did we hit about, you know, what this character means to this person going into this and mm-hmm. this, this and that? And, you know, we were kind of, I'm just going to say it, we were kind of spot on with everything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm not going to lie, um, but we're, pr- we're probably the best podcast
1: out there. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not saying it,
0: but like, I'll say it, you know, if you I, want yeah, me to I, say it. I I'll get say what it. you're saying as far as like, it's nice to hear the creators say like, this is our intention. And at minimum to be like, great, loud and clear. Like you totally delivered on that. Like, yes. I thought the intentions of creatively what they were trying to say were, made very clear like was really evident and definitely transferred on screen Uh, because you you know dave filoni's there's that great quote to where he talks about um him or in the early days with george lucas of george asking questions and and dave will be saying like well i wanted to kind of communicate this thing and to say this about whatever and george being like cool then say that because you're not going to be in their living room telling them so like it's it's kind of reminded me of that but yeah i I, I hear what you're saying loud and clear And
1: that, that comes to kind of the, you know, I think that that especially comes to light with Moses Ingram where she's kind of explaining Reva's character Mm -hmm. and the whole time I'm like, yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Say it louder for the people in the back. (laughs) That's the thing though, is you get, you get fans that are like, you know, I just don't get it because I, I don't know. I don't see that. I don't see that. And I'm like, okay, that's, I'm sorry, but like, that's not a creator problem because I can see it and no one told me, right? I didn't need <laughs> help figuring that out. Um, you know, the way that they tell you is by showing you and you ask these questions that you're asking me, but don't ask them rhetorically. Ask them and critically think about it, you sure. know? So you get kind of these answers um from Moses Ingram of what is this what is this character about and how did you go into this and and you know w- w- like how does this character function with with the other characters in the show and Yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's funny that it's like, yeah, it's not lost on, it's not lost on some of us. So we're here, we're here.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely it's always encouraging to to hear some of that because it would be it'd be odd if they're like, Well, actually we meant this entirely other thing and you're like, Oh what? <laughs> you know, like where where did that come from? But <laughs> I, no I was way off. <laughs> Not even close, but yeah, it's it's always definitely gratifying to to hear some of that as well as some of the new details, a lot some of the new character perspectives and, and insight and things that maybe didn't, you know, super pick up on. Um, one of which is when we were talking about um, Tala Um, who I am blanking on the actress's name. Um, uh, Give me one second. I will definitely look that up because I want to shout them out. But they were talking about their uh, kind of approach to the character um, and how they uh, were inspired by real world events. Uh, Indira Varma is the actress's name. I apologize. But she was talking about how there was like French Revolution, like influences on her performance, which is something that I was just like, great. Sounds good to me. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know how that in, influenced your role, but like, apparently it did. Congrats. You know, <laughs> no, uh, absolutely. Oh yeah. And then also, um, I want to uh, uh, highlight uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. and his experience. Cause I don't know about you. I was like, that that would be me, you know, him and Star Wars as he was just kind of like he talked about his uh, growing up with Star Wars and how he used to listen to um, the scores with his sister and would like play lightsabers in the backyard. And I'm like, did that when I was a kid? Also, <laughs> yeah. he's like, I just listen to some stuff casually. Now I do that now, you know, and he so was does just, that mean that we can be in Star Wars. Is that the requirements? Fingers crossed because uh, I, I am like, I, I saw some uh, friends of mine who I was uh, had the pleasure of talking with at Star Wars Celebration and now I'm like uh, friends with and uh, you guys know who you are, but people who were like extras in the show. So I'm like one degree away from being in a Star Wars. <laughs> so hopefully we can speak it into existence. And uh, yeah, you might have to come spend a week at a Huntington Beach and go film in the volume or something like that. But um, uh, anyway, yeah, still uh, so great to, to hear some of those experiences and O'Shea Jackson Jr. just looking around and being like, I'm in star Wars. Like, this is weird.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's the thing. That's the funny part is when he's like, okay, I have to go act now. And then when he's done being in front of the camera, he's like, I'm freaking out, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know, which is not very typical, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's so, so good to see. I will say, um, his, his character is, is very interesting. We, obviously we've talked about his character and, um, that's something that I very much appreciate about the the direction of this show, um, but kind of his own interpretation of the character mm-hmm. um, of, of saying essentially like this is kind of the beginning of what becomes the rebellion. There's like a few of those, which I think is so funny, but I would love to see, you know, some of these characters come back uh, into like an actual formed rebellion of, you know, these things because clearly you get a character or you get an actor that has put a lot of himself into this, into this one character that says, yes, I love this. And yeah. I'm totally on board with this. Um, you know, and, and this idea of the story, same goes for Camille Nanjiani is, you know, is looking at this character and saying, no, there's more, there's more here. And it's, it's much deeper than you think. And, and I connect with it these ways. Um, so, so, so good to see both of them have a chance to talk about those things.
0: Yeah, I definitely noted that when um Roken had mentioned that because he obviously is a part of the the path and is you know helping uh, those who are being hunted by inquisitors and by the empire in general like you know, uh, get these people to safety. but he had uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. had mentioned like he is you know, an early founder of the rebellion. and the way that I kind of think about it at least now is kind of like who's the founder of America? You know, like it's not (laughs) one guy, it's uh, many guys. And then also people who were here before we got here, Uh, obviously a little bit more complicated than this fictional thing. But I kind of see it as like these early acts of rebellion, like lowercase R, you know, rather than like the, 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 the. The rebellion, the Rebel Alliance. You know, like people like Nest come to mind. You know, uh, and and you know, uh, obviously Padme and Mon Mothma and others. Bail Organa. You know, like I, I think about a lot of those types of people who are rebelling against the Empire, and then what eventually leads to this, you know, uh, union of all of them. These people that kind of come together. But I I definitely share your sentiment in regards to wanting to see maybe them coming together. Wanting to see Inf- in- Nest maybe. Interacting with Roken or with Mon Mothma, and who knows who we're going to see. And Saw Gerrera is there too, of course. <laughs> How could I forget? How could I forget? Uh, but yeah, seeing all of those people kind of interact, which is something that we had mentioned in our review of Rogue One. Um, so yeah, I, I share that sentiment and wanting to see all of these people interact. Will we see it in Andor? Could be, maybe. Uh, but yeah, still none, uh, nonetheless, uh, so great uh, seeing O'Shea Jackson Jr. as Roken and uh, to see his experience, and it's it's great to to. I might not be there ever to be able to be in a star war, but I can at least live vicariously through him and just be like, okay, that's what it would be like. That's what it would be like.
1: Yes. And uh, honestly, I don't, I don't even know how that would happen, but you know, one, you know, one can, one can dream fingers crossed. I'll keep playing with my lightsaber and <laughs> listening to my star Wars soundtracks while, I'm, while exactly. I'm at work and just hope that one day, You know, they'll be like, you
0: like Star Wars? Hmm?" Yeah, I don't I don't need to be, uh, you know, forming the rebellion. Give me guy that Stormtrooper gets exploded or, you know, rebel that Darth Vader stabs or literally guy in the corner. You know, freaky alien guy, you know, literally alien head Muppet dude. Exactly. Literally anything sounds excellent. That sounds good to me. Um, Well, Noah, do you have any final thoughts on this uh, behind the scenes? Look at Obi-Wan Kenobi with a Jedi's return. I think the only thing, you know,
1: kind of coming away from it is I, I was lukewarm on, on some of these Disney plus little featurettes, you know, um, because they, again, we talked about kind of the technical side of things. Um, and some of you know, some of those things are things I care about, whether it's yeah, how do we de-age Luke, how do we make that happen? Or how do we put this into, you know, how do we use the volume and make it effective? Those things are cool. Sure. Um, You know, but as it seems, we're kind of getting a behind the scenes for everything on Disney Plus, which is fine. Yeah. Will I go out of my way to go watch some of the Marvel assembled things? Most likely not. When you, you know, kind of entice me with this, oh, you you love Obi-Wan and you loved the show. Um, Let's... Get you really, really in the mood to, you know, to revisit it and really, really in your feels about yeah. what Star Wars means, you know, to everyone that has ever been involved in it. Yeah. Um, you know then you've got me.
0: Even, so, even Alec Guinness, he was, cause it's, oh it, my it's been that, the kind of the, the, the story, you know, that Alec Guinness didn't really get it or didn't really care. And was just kind of like, what, you know, but even still, he was kind of talking about like Joseph Campbell and like a lot of these, you know, it's, it's kind of this anachronistic futuristic kind of, but also the past kind of. And so he really seems like he was at least digging in to some of the things, which is more yes. than I can say for some star Wars fans. So good. That's, on you, that's Alec the thing Guinness. Is, I,
1: (laughs) As long as you get it, right? You, like you know, you can say, Oh yeah, I get what they're doing here. Mm -hmm. And that's just, it's such a validating feeling being a star Wars fan to, to hear those things like that. Sure. Just from every, every single corner, you
0: know? Yeah. And if not, you know, validating, hopefully some people who might've struggled with some of this stuff in the series, or maybe some of it didn't hit as well as they wanted it to, maybe they can watch something like this. And just like, you know, the Disney gallery, that kind of now famous speech that Filoni gives about the duel of the fates that might encourage people to go back and be like, like, you know what actually i, I can kind of see what he's talking about so um what i'm saying is subscribe to the podcast cuz it doesn't take <laughs> as long you don't have to wait until september the you know 6 months after the show comes out or what however it's been it's been a long year maybe it's been like 2 weeks who knows at this time but uh yeah you and i are, are always uh, diving into these themes as well as many many more so uh all that to say if you watch this give us a listen you know and right around the corner and we're going to be talking about some similar ideas as well as a ton of new ones Uh, But until we get there, Noah, do you want to go ahead and wrap it up and take us home?
1: Definitely. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If there's any topics or bits of news that you think we should cover, you can head over to our Twitter and shoot us a message at scumvillainpod. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge. And Garrett
0: McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time.
1: See you guys.